about to start um, week two of our sermon series, Hidden Treasures. And I have this awesome prop with me today. Don't worry, I'm not going to throw anything. It's not axe-throwing day. You're all safe, I promise. There's also no, you know, watermelons up here to smash. We're good. So, um, Hidden Treasures is a series that is super fun. So it's not often that we get to dig into these little hidden things in scripture. Sometimes there's stories that are just so small that if you blink, you're going to miss it. Um, But sometimes those tiny little stories that are only a few verses long have so much packed into them that we can learn. And so this is a fun series that just kind of zeroes in on some of those. Um, And one of the stories that you may not have noticed is one that's in 2 Kings 1, or I'm sorry, 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7. So that's where we're going to be today. So the axe is with me today. It's kind of an illustration um, for the passage that we're learning from today. It is a cutting edge, and it speaks to our faith, our hope, and our passion for Christ. So that's why we have this little monster. It's quite the heavy guy. He's an eight-pounder. On the next slide, I want to share a quote with you. And it says, If I were your enemy... I would seek to dim your passion, dull your interest in spiritual things, dampen your belief in God's ability and his personal concern for you, and convince you that the hope that you have lost is never coming back and probably was just a lie to begin with. That's some pretty strong words. But let's remember, we're not always fighting about with worldly things, are we? Not always fighting with flesh and blood. So if you're like most of us, faith, your faith has had some moments of passion and some moments of whisper, where it just feels like you're whimpering along in faith. And so it's easy to be passionate when you're in the middle of some great worship, and maybe many of you experienced that today, where your passion was just alive as you sang to our King, and that's wonderful. But maybe you've been in this space where You've been praying for something for a long time. Have you been there? You've been praying for something for a long time, and it just feels like either God doesn't feel, hear you or God doesn't care. Now, of course, we know that's not true. That's a lie from the enemy. The enemy, or who John calls the father of lies in John 8:44, likes to chip away at your zeal and at your hope and at your belief in God and what he can do for you. And he wants to chisel down your faith to that whimper. Faith is not a belief that God will do what you want him to do, but that God will do what is right and in his time. So let's take a look at our hidden treasure in 2 Kings 6, 1 through 7, as we get going here. There we go. One day, the group of prophets came with Elisha and told him, As you can see, this place where we met with you is too small. Let us go down to the Jordan River, and there are plenty of logs where we can build a new place for us to meet. All right, he told them. Go on ahead. Please come with us, someone suggested. I will, he said. So he went with them. When they arrived at the Jordan, they began cutting down trees, but one of them was carrying, cutting a tree, his axe fit, 
head fell into the river. Oh, sir, he cried, it was a borrowed axe. Where did it fall? The man of God asked, which is Elisha. When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it into the water, into that spot. And the axe head floated to the surface. Grab it, Elisha said. And the man reached out and grabbed a hold of it. Now, I don't know about you, but in those seven verses, there is a whole big story to unpack. It doesn't give a whole lot of detail, but here's what we know. We know that this is a group of prophets who are worshiping together, who are teaching, who are praising God together, who are hearing his, his words in, his, in their spirit, and their place is just too small. Isn't that great when a place of God is just too small and there's so many people that it's hard to fit everybody in? So what was suggested is that they build a new one, right? And so they knew that there was a whole bunch of trees and a whole bunch of logs that were down by the Jordan River. So that's the best place that they thought to get enough logs to build this new um, place of worship. So that's what they were doing. And one of the, the prophets, a younger one, had his borrowed axe with him. And I can just imagine, now it's not in the text, but I can imagine as a young prophet the zeal and the passion that this young man must have had. And he was so excited. We're going to build a new, a new place of worship. This is going to be great. We're going to do this together for God. And just, have you ever seen those kind of passion? Have you felt that? I imagine that's what this guy was feeling. But in this crazy moment that had nothing to do with anything that he did, the head of the axe comes loose and flies into the river. And remember, again, this is a borrowed axe. So there's a couple things going through his mind at this point. One, oh no, how are we going to build this temple or build this place of worship? But also, I borrowed that axe. Now i got to go tell my friend that I lost this thing and there's no hope of getting it back. So that's kind of what's going on, right? And then here comes Elisha who walks in and he just throws a stick at it and it floats to the surface. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever held one of these things, but this guy is not going to float to the surface on his own power, Amen. right? It's just not going to happen. So, there's a few things that we can note from the text, and we'll put those up there for you. So, the servant was doing something good when he lost his cutting edge. Now, just because we have moments where we lose our cutting edge, we feel a little bit dull in our faith. We feel a little bit dull in our passion. And sometimes we even feel guilty that we can't engage as fully as we want to in worship. It's not always something that we did wrong. It's not always a misdeed that causes the misfortune. Sometimes these things just happen. And second, despite the loss of the axe head, the presence of God was still near. Now, something cool, some cultural um, information for you that's important to the text is that in ancient Israel, Yahweh's prophets were representations of him to his people. He would speak to them, and they would speak God's word to them. So he was that representative of God. So despite the lost axe head, the presence of God was still near. Elisha was right there with him. 
as the presence of God. Next, the axe head was borrowed. Again, we talked about that. But like the man's axe, our passion, our spiritual fervor come from someone else. The presence of passion, faith, belief in our heart is a gift. It's on loan. It's something that the Holy Spirit gives to us. It's not something that we acquire ourselves. That's actually the good part. That's the good news. So next, only a work of God could retrieve the axe head. Miraculously by Elisha's hand as the representative of God to the people, of course. The slab of iron wrestled free from the muck in the bottom of the riverbed and popped up like it was just mere driftwood. Suddenly floating like it was nothing. Nothing is too far gone that God cannot redeem it and rescue it and resurrect it. If the passion of your faith is at a whimper, God's miraculous work can make it bubble back up to the surface. He is willing and able. He gave you that gift in the first place, right? So we need only ask. We need only ask the one that gave us that gift in the first place to restore it. And he is more than willing to do it. So, oh, here we go. Da, da, da. My, sorry, my tablet here is messing up on me. There we go. All right. Perhaps it's not about um, the next slide, I'm sorry. When we pray, this question is kind of important. When we pray, do we ask for less than what God is capable of. Amen. I know I'm guilty of that at times. I'm sure we all have been. But do we limit his blessing by asking for less? There's a few reasons for that. Perhaps it's not about doubting God's ability. For me, it's never been that. I've always known that he is capable of more than I am even capable of thinking about. Amen. He is all-powerful, all-knowing. He has no limits. So for me, it's not doubting his ability or his goodness. Perhaps we are timid because we don't see ourselves as worthy of miracles and the blessings that he's able to give. You know, I haven't been a really good Christian this week. I'm not really sure I should ask that much of God. Or perhaps we struggle to see that God is capable of working in some of these supernatural ways. I know in our, our current modern culture, they continuously teach us over and over that supernatural, that miracle, that anything that can't be explained isn't real. And that's real for us. Amen. Has, it, has it seeped into our soul? Has it robbed us of our ability to ask God with all authority, knowing that he is not only capable, but willing and ready to offer that to us. So we're going to pause here for just a minute, and I'm going to share a story. Um, this story is a little bit harder to tell. It's one that God asked me to share that I'm a little bit more resistant to share, but I think it's a beautiful one for today. So um, 
I have walked through a, a long journey with leukemia and recovery and all of that. And I'm taking you back to almost all the way to the beginning. Um, there's these moments where um, the doctors are still trying to figure out what happened. They haven't made a diagnosis yet. But for whatever reason, my blood counts are so low that they're afraid of my passing. And so they have to do something, and what do they do, right? They run tests and they diagnose, right? And one of those tests was a biopsy. They had to figure out why, why things were so low. And so they did this biopsy where they laid me on a table and where my blood counts were, they were unable to give me painkillers for the situation because they were, they were afraid of what it might tip in the scale. And that wasn't a risk they were willing to take. And so they had to do this biopsy where they had me laying flat on the table and they took a drill into my back in order to get cores from the insides of my bone. And I know that you've probably used a cordless drill in your life, um, and there's obviously a medical version of that, but if you can only just imagine the feeling of that moment. And for me, all I could really do was lay there and hold on to this table, clenched as tears are just sobbing down my face. And the only thing that I could do, I couldn't get out a single prayer. The only thing I could do was just try my best to get out the name Jesus. Jesus, through my sobbing tears, as much as I could articulate. And I tell you what, he didn't take away the pain. He didn't rescue me from the situation. But all of a sudden, it's like this window opened, this fresh air moving through the room. Let me tell you, I'm in an OR, guys. Like, this isn't like somewhere where this is even a thing. Like, this is a bad place to be. But the window opens, and that beautiful breeze comes through that just brings so much peace. And Jesus reached out his hand, and he sat there, and he held my hand. And he just sang to me Psalm 23 over and over and over. You are not alone. I am with you. Over and over and over, he's saying that to me, holding my hand. The light, the breeze. I can't even tell you what it was like to have God just open heaven right there in that hospital room. God is capable of more than we credit him for sometimes, guys. Family, I need you to, to take that moment and soak it in a little bit. I know it feels scary. Sometimes supernatural, miraculous things are. But he opened up heaven in that hospital room. He is willing. He loves us. He is capable. So for those of you sitting here that don't necessarily got, doubt God's ability, but sometimes doubt his willingness, he loves you so much he loves you more than you will ever understand. And he wants an opportunity to be able to show you that and open heaven's window for you. He loves you. He calls you worthy. He calls you his. And he is able and willing to open up heaven for you. You are loved. So, wrapping up a little early today, but 
I have some questions for you. Okay? Have we been guilty of asking God for less than what he wants to give? Have you had those moments where you're like, wow, I really, you know, I really want to ask for this, but I'm not sure that I am worthy of that. I am not sure that God really wants to give that to me. Now, like me, he doesn't always take away that pain. He doesn't always rescue us from our suffering. Often there's so much more that he can teach us or ways that he can work inside of us and pull us close. If it wasn't for that moment of pain, if it wasn't for that desperation in my heart and my soul, God wouldn't have been able to reach out to me that day. It sometimes takes us enduring things that we don't think are comfortable. But that allows God's space to move. It allows him space to connect with us that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Now, the other day we had um, a parenting moment with our daughter, and she has some social-emotional struggles. And so working through how to manage emotions and how to um, separate things that aren't connected. But um, we had some really rough moments, and she was just flying off the handle in her overwhelmed emotion. And it gave us space where we didn't have before. It gave us space where Chuck was able to sit with her, my husband, sorry, was able to sit with her and disciple to her and talk to her about God and about how our emotions are involved in that. But that beautiful discipleship moment also would not have happened without the ugliness of the really tough parenting moment where she was having all that struggle. See, sometimes we're so quick to get past those tough moments. I know in parenting it's so much like, oh, not today. But without those moments, we often miss out on such beautiful moments. Look for those blessings. I know that things get tough, guys. But even in that struggle, look for those blessings because they're so hand in hand. Have you lost your cutting edge? Were you one this morning that was worshiping in full passion and full zeal for God? Or were you the one that was struggling and wrestling to really feel God's presence in your life this morning? If that was you, he is more than willing to restore you, to resurrect that passion inside of you that passion that is a light for others and brings them to Christ. Go to him. Seek him. He is more than willing to move on your behalf. You are not alone. My hope is that your heart has been encouraged. And let's pray together this morning. Lord, he will move, he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. Hosea 6, 3. God, we can pray scripture to you. God, we sit in your presence this morning, and I know sometimes it can get a little uncomfortable, but God, 
knowing that regardless of what your answer is in prayer, God, you never leave us standing there abandoned. You're always right there with us, God. And you're holding our hands sometimes even when we don't even know. And for that, we couldn't be more grateful. My desire, God, is that you meet everyone where they're at. The high this morning, I just pray that you fan that flame and that you continue to rejoice in that fellowship, that relationship between you and your children, God. For those that are experiencing that spiritual whimper, God, I know that you are capable, you are willing, and that you love us and you desire to be close to us. You desire to resurrect that passion and that zeal within us, God. I pray that just like the floating axe head, God, you are there to bring about your miracles in our lives. Help us to be ever-present. Open our eyes to see the blessings that you have for us in the middle, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.